everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Impactful Authenticity Podcast. My name is Lucy, and I'm really excited today to have Matt Webster. He's a senior civil servant working in the UK government. So hi, Matt. Welcome to the show. And he's taken on lots and lots of different roles over his long career um, within the civil service. And today he's working within the cabinet office but has previously been in Her Majesty's Treasury and the excitement of Number 10 Downing Street. So really excited to hear what some of these stories and um, experiences are going to be from Matt. I've been really lucky. I've had the chance to know Matt for a number of years, and we're actually heading off to a music festival pretty soon. So I'm intrigued to hear what the song selection is today. Hopefully it's one I've already got on my um on my Spotify account. And the reason that I asked Matt to join the podcast was kind of for two reasons. One, obviously, from what you've heard in the intro, you know, he's in a pretty high pressure industry and area. And I think there's lots of interesting stories he can probably share about his experiences there. But also, secondly, that um, he's been diagnosed with dyslexia as a child. And Certainly his kind of journey and experience to how he's opened up about that over time has changed. And I think there's a lot that we could learn from that. So I'm really excited, Matt, to have you with us today. Welcome. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for having me on. And um, maybe just to start with, could you just describe this amazing career that you've had for us? Oh, thank you. I actually... um... Uh, was describing it to various groups of school children uh, a week ago at a uh, a charity thing I was doing, and I had to explain to them that I've been a civil servant now for eighteen years and watched their uh, their eyes pop out of their head slightly. Uh, <laughs> oh. I've been a civil servant for as long as they they'd been alive, which made me feel quite old. Oh. Um, so yeah, I've been a civil servant for uh, for eighteen years now. Uh, I the, the the civil service increasingly has uh, a really diverse workforce, and lots of people coming from different backgrounds who've worked in other places before they've been in the civil service. Um. Uh, but I don't have that. I'm as, as traditional a civil servant as you could uh, find, probably. I joined Civil Service Fast Stream about a year after university, uh, spent four years in the Home Office, then uh, a number of years in the Ministry of Justice and, and dotted around other bits of government. But uh, most recently, uh, as you mentioned, I've worked in the Treasury running um, uh, shortly after Brexit, uh, running project management and then border infrastructure in the customs functions while we were setting up new controls and wondering what we're going to do about Dover and Eurotunnel and the Irish border and all that kind of kind of thing. Wow. Um, and then from there, I ended up um, working for a, a sort of a, an unusual little team in a joint number 10 cabin office team that Dominic Cummings had wanted to set up to oversee sort of the, the, the end of Brexit to provide assurance to the PM and others on on how that was going and whether all that um, uh, departments were doing everything that they wanted them to. So I did that. And then sort of from there, uh, moved into setting up something called the Brexit Opportunities Unit, which um, I'm uh, I spent uh, a year and a half uh, setting up and working in, which was a, a fascinating but uh, slightly unusual and, and, and as you say, quite high pressure uh, job. Although I'm I'm currently on a uh, a short several month uh, career break, which is a, a perk of being a civil servant that they let you do that from time to time. Wow, very very jealous. Um, so one of the things I'm kind of really curious about and. Um, it's kind of been on my mind a little while is obviously real diverse group of people, as you said, in the in the civil service who obviously have their own political views. But you're expected to develop policies for many different types of government agendas. And I'm just kind of curious on this sort of piece of like authenticity about how you balance these potential conflicts of maybe what your core values 
are versus what a government is intending to do and the outcome that they're wanting from that. And curious if there's advantages to that because, you know, that's how the system's set up and maybe the diversity brings different opinions. But yeah, just curious from your perspective, kind of how that that works and how you kind of seen that show up in different places over your career. Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, uh, question, Lucy. And I think uh, you're right, there are advantages to having a, a diversity of opinion. And I mean, every civil servant has political views. We're all kind of uh, we're, we're we're all people who have opinions about what the government should be should be doing, and often very strong ones. But part of the job is to leave those at the door as much as you can, and help uh, our elected ministers shape what they want to do and deliver the things that they've been elected to uh, to put in place. And inevitably, the government will be looking at making some choices that you, as a uh, person, if you were in charge of the whole government, wouldn't be choosing to make. And I mean, that's the case for uh, for absolutely everybody. But there's there's a necessary and quite satisfying function of taking and shaping ideas and even if it's something you might not have chosen to yourself showing what the risks are showing how you could deliver it and actually there's a lot of job satisfaction in taking what might start out as being an unpromising idea and turning it into something that has real social benefit and working with ministers on that is where a lot of the uh the the most satisfaction comes from and i think the, the diversity of opinion point is a really good one and a sort of thinking back to some examples about this if you take a really big controversial thing the government's done if you look at something like you know the poll tax or the iraq war or something like that would you as a as a tax paying citizen want everybody in the room working on those to wholeheartedly support them or would you want them to have a diversity of opinion around uh those issues as well and you'd, you'd probably want a um a range of different uh views in the room and that's uh, useful and important and i think that's something the government's um um often been clear on and actually, I would I'd also say that sometimes it's harder to work on ideas that you uh, completely support because you have to find out the, the disbenefits and the problems with those as well. Occasionally, <laughs> there's occasionally a heartbreaking time when you have to like work out that something you think is a really good idea actually uh, will take too long or cost too much or might not be completely legal. And uh, uh, and that can actually be harder. Well, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think it's... Um... There's probably a lot I think maybe other companies and organizations can probably learn from this real diversity because I think, you know, it's such a buzzword in most companies at the minute, diversity inclusion. But I think people really struggle to get a diversity of opinion. I've certainly in my like 20 career, 20 year career so far, have generally been in teams where there's maybe a little bit of differentiation, but not a huge amount. And Often, you know, there's a great consensus of, yeah, if someone says go with something, like everyone's kind of behind it. So like, there's something definitely probably we could learn from how to think about things in a slightly different way with how the government kind of do that. So that's super interesting. Thanks. And and maybe just kind of moving on a little bit in terms of um, this part of your journey around dyslexia, I'd just be really curious how it sort of impacted you and your life and some of the kind of maybe earlier career choices that you you took. I know you said you obviously joined the civil service pretty quickly, but just any thoughts there? Yeah, so to give you the, the background to this, I was diagnosed with dyslexic when I was seven, which was a long time ago now in the um, uh, late 80s, I think, uh, when I uh, did the, less was known about dyslexia than it, uh, than it is now, certainly. So I was very lucky that uh, my parents spotted that, had had read about it and got me a, a diagnosis. And then um, from there, had several years, a couple of years outside of mainstream school in a, in a 
special class and then about five years of additional support after um after that so i had a really i got dealt a very uh tricky hand early on then got dealt a series of very good hands and had a lot of people who uh who really helped me which i'm uh you know forever grateful for and was very lucky in in that sense because not everybody who is diagnosed with dyslexia even now gets the same level of um yeah. of support so i was able to kind of catch up academically and kind of um was doing very well by kind of did well my gcs and very well on my a levels um and sort of thought that was kind of behind me and i'd kind of put dyslexia sort of uh you know defeated that and put it away kind of thing um but then at university it had uh, some impact as well it took me a while to sort of get into the sort of correct essay writing technique on my essay intensive degree and i think actually my overall kind of grades probably suffered uh quite a bit because of that and i made a mistake of not trying to um get a bit more help when i uh, when i could have done so um I applied for an awful lot of different jobs after uh, university and then randomly saw an advert for a uh, foreign office economist in uh, the Times and thought, actually, um, they'll never take me for that. But that sounds like quite a, uh, a good job. So I better uh, put an application in, otherwise I'll, I'll regret it. And I did. Um, and actually, the, it was part of the civil service fast stream and uh, the civil service fast stream then, and I think still do when uh, it comes back after a one year hiatus. Um, they offered a sort of a, they had a, a, a different entry route for people with uh, learning disabilities, such as uh, oh, right. they, um, uh, they did a, um, instead of having a written assessment at the start, you had a, a verbal assessment. So I sort of sat down and, and spoke to people about policy ideas, which was like my favorite thing and still is. So, oh. um, so I was given a, a, a sort of leg up or a, a bit of assistance there as well, which, uh, which definitely helped me get uh, the job I did. Um, so I was accepted on civil service fast stream and then um, had a an interview to see whether I'd be a good diplomat. And they decided that I would not be a good diplomat and, and <laughs> entirely correct. Um, and again, a very withering look from a, uh, uh, a senior ambassador, as I was saying, exactly the wrong thing about what the foreign office should be doing. Um, and then I had an interview as an, uh, to see whether I'd be a good economist. And it turns out I'd forgotten all my economics in the one year since I'd finished my university degree. So I ended up on the, the, the generalist fast stream, which was probably the best place for, for me. Um, again, learning to do something uh, new in the workplace and starting quite a, uh, you know, quite a demanding graduate job. Uh, dyslexia affected me more than I thought it would. And it took me a while to sort of get up to, to speed and really start uh, performing as well as I could do. But eventually I did um and I kind of again I sort of felt I'd sort of put that to one side I was always relatively open about people I'd mentioned it occasionally but um mm. uh it didn't come up very often and I think when I uh joined the treasury I um uh, started noticing it more because although I kind of I'm objectively quite good at reading and writing that's what I do all day uh civil servants do a lot of writing things um uh, and I'm probably yeah pretty good by the average graduate's uh, standard. Um, the average sort of person I was working with, with in the Treasury isn't really an average graduate. They are kind of uh, often people have come in from the very best universities. I kind of uh, I think sort of half my team was from Oxford or Cambridge at uh, at one point, and they're generally exceptionally good at reading and writing. There are there are lots of things um, that there are lots of things that civil servants aren't always good at, but one thing they're very good at is reading and writing quickly. I would definitely not belong in there. <laughs> Those are my two worst things. So uh, I started noticing it again. Um, 
and just to, to as, as a, a bit of background, um, the, the way dyslexia affects me is that it takes me a little bit longer to take written information in and it takes me a bit longer to organize my thoughts in terms of how I write it down. And these, these are fairly common dyslexia symptoms, although uh, dyslexia really is a whole, uh, it's a catch-all term for a whole gamut of other dis of disabilities that mean it is hard for someone's brain to turn written symbols into information in their brain and then reprocess them out in another way. So it can affect lots of people in different ways. Some people will uh, see letters sort of become a jumble on a screen if they don't have the, the right screens and that kind of thing, which is very, which is very common, but that's not uh, that wasn't uh, something something that was the case with me. It was more kind of just slightly slower, slightly more mental energy to do um, literary tasks effectively. So I started noticing this uh, more in the the treasury, really, because of the uh, the sort of outstanding competence of a lot of the people I was working with. And I also started noticing that it was having uh, some odd effects on how my team was working with me because. Um, I think my team saw me as being sort of slightly old, slightly more experienced and sort of more confident than they were because people at the Treasury are often very, very young. <laughs> they, they have a, a big cadre of very ambitious kind of uh, people in their early to mid-20s who are making a start in public sector careers. And I'd be kind of uh, like missing the odd meeting or the odd uh, email. And it would all be because like my personal organization had broken down a particular day. But people were sort of thinking that I was too busy to like engage with what they were doing. So the, the, the assumption that people were often making was actually, well, my thing is not important enough to bother this busy, more senior person. Um, or uh, Matt's missed something, that must be my fault, or I must have made a mistake there. And I kind of, after I got over the initial relief that people <laughs> weren't particularly blaming me for things I was getting wrong, um, which, which happened occasionally, not not sort of chronically, but occasionally. Um, I kind of started being a bit more open with people about kind of you know why that was and what that uh, means. And in the end, I start I um, ended up sending an email round to all my immediate team and stakeholders. Actually, for the first time, really explaining a bit of my uh, history with dyslexia, some of which I've I've explained to you there, and also wow. how um, how it affects me and uh, essentially giving people permission to come and talk to me and saying, I'm, I'm always interruptible uh, and I appreciate Aww. being interrupted. Um, and I often prefer that to being contacted in writing and people really responded um, yeah, very well to that. Oh, fabulous. Oh, that's so lovely. And I guess, did you have a lot of people coming and asking you questions or wanting to know more or... Were people just sort of quietly getting on with their job in the background and just being like, okay, I don't take anything yeah, that's was, interesting. Was, but So there was a real contrast, actually. Some people um, made a point of coming to speak to me about it because it was seen as, um, I think some people saw it as quite a brave uh, thing to do, um, which I, I probably didn't at the time, but looking back at it, uh, maybe it was because everyone was has been extremely open about it, but also... In most, in lots of organisations, particularly ones working on on high profile uh, things with a lot of, sort of ambitious colleagues, uh, any level of admitting weakness is seen as being a bit of a, a risk, and and it wasn't. Yep. But that there is sort of that that perception sometimes. So some people were really considered quite brave. Some people were kind of uh, interested to know more about uh, dyslexia and what that means. Some people were more happy to share things about 
themselves that they um, struggled with. Mm-hmm. And some people just sort of politely uh, nod and said, thanks for the heads up, which is just as good a reaction. Yeah, that's super lovely. And very, I guess I'm I'm kind of really curious about then, has that kind of created this space where now other people feel like they've almost kind of got this permission that they can show weakness or not weakness really but sort of show just this different side to them because I think a lot of people will resonate with this feeling like I've got to be 100% perfect and I can't sort of show this any kind of weakness in my ability and I can imagine even more so as you're talking about you know kind of being surrounded by people who've come from kind of the top universities in in um, the UK so has there been some kind of positive benefits in that sense to others do you think around you? Yeah, I definitely. I mean, the the, the uh, clearest one is that some people were happy to say that they themselves are dyslexic, so I'm happy to to share that yeah. and share what that uh, that meant to them as well, which was which is obviously very uh, very good. But I think uh, there is a positive impact if it's done in the right way to having somebody in a more senior role saying, "Here, here are some things I'm not very good at." Um, yeah. And obviously, there there are different ways to do that. If you say, "I'm, I'm not very good at filing," you do all my filing, please. Uh, that, that, was, uh, that has maybe a, a less positive way of doing it, but just explaining where where I um, uh, struggle and where I I don't. One of the things, for example, that I asked uh, that I said is that I, I kind of can't trust myself to be the final proofreader on a document where we can't make any mistakes. And in the civil service in government, you, you do have a few of those. So uh, people are much more willing to sort of step up and go, right, you're, you're sending a, a memo to a minister. I'll proof give that a final sort of three minute proofread for you to make sure it's all it's all okay so um uh so that was um uh, really useful and really beneficial i mean actually in the cabinet office in my last team um i was able to uh do this again but do it at the same time as the some of my uh senior management team colleagues and i were putting in place a bit of a program to do some other things around the same kind of topics but on a, on a wider basis so we'd set up a series of what we called um uh, listening circles, which gave people a chance to talk about uh, issues that were affecting them on um, different topics each time. So we had one on uh, issues around race, one on issues around social class, which is um, uh, a, a big unseen barrier in, or people. a lot of people feel like it's a big unseen barrier in um, uh, some parts of the civil service. So it's really good to have people, give people a chance to talk about that. And um, one of my colleagues and I, uh, I had a, uh, an autistic uh, colleague uh, in the cabin office and she and I did a joint session on learning disabilities and what dyslexia meant for me and what uh, autism meant for her for uh, around I think in the end there are about 50 colleagues on the call and that was yeah. really useful really good to get uh, people being open and really cathartic but actually one of the things that really struck me was that uh, lots of um, my colleagues had children who were going through uh, issues because of dyslexia dyspraxia ADHD uh or autism and the kind of um frustration and kind of uh hope that sort of comes with that um so it's really good to be able to uh give people a chance to talk about that and actually um i felt that a little bit of me sharing my story and how i'd overcome various things and how they were still challenging was probably quite useful for people to hear who have children who are going through a similar similar thing Oh, that's such a lovely story, Matt. Thanks so much. And maybe just to end this section, I guess, looking forward now, are there kind of additional opportunities you feel in your career that 
this can maybe have opened up for you by kind of being willing to to share this or things that you might have gone for now that you might not have done before because it's as you say of how you process information slightly differently yeah I I, I definitely think there are I think I've um and that's in two ways one is that I've kind of analyzed myself and what I like doing and what I'm good at and what I I I enjoy less a bit more so I, I kind of um know a bit more about that and I don't feel as much of a need to to compete for jobs where um that might sort of on the surface look like they'll about my career but I that I won't enjoy but but also I think I'd be far more confident now going uh into a job which where dyslexia might be an issue and explaining how it would be an issue and thinking uh, with my managers and colleagues and team about how we can put things in place that would help me on that because I know that people are you know willing to help me and one of the uh, perks of being a senior manager now is that I generally have large and able teams who can uh, who can compensate for things that I'm less good at and and that they're, <laughs> they're willing to do that when I'm uh, when I'm open about it yeah I think that is one of the the lovely things about working in a team of trying to to make sure you've got that balance of strengths and weaknesses and complementing each other I'm a super big advocate for for understanding my own weaknesses and, and trying to surround myself with people who are super strong in those to help us all push forward so thank you so much for sharing all of that lots of really interesting nuggets and I'm going to definitely listen back again to kind of get probably some more little insights from from that conversation so thanks so much Matt so moving on to our kind of last two kind of features of the show so the first one is we always ask our guests to give us kind of a weekly challenge or a tip or something that we should kind of try potentially that week um, to help us kind of connect a little bit more, understand our authentic selves. So love to hear what the challenge you set us this week is. So um, on the uh, probably on the same topic that I've been um, uh, talking through, I think my challenge this week is to um, explain to a group of colleagues at peers or a more junior level uh, something that you aren't very good at or something that they are better than you at. Love it. Um, try not to make it filing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if you can do that in a way that uh, shows a bit of op- shows openness on your part and and uh, possibly lift somebody up that uh, that they know that they can support you on something and they know that you think they're good at something is I, th- I think quite a valuable thing to do. So if you can find a positive way to do that, uh, see the impact it has. Oh, that's that's. Awesome. I love that one so much. Thank you. Excited to get trying on that already. Um, I unfortunately have a long list of things that I'm not great at. I'm, I'm filing being one of them, so to speak, but um, I definitely won't mention that. And finally, on to the power of music. So what song have you selected for us in terms of something that's been kind of meaning and impactful for you? And and why have you selected that song? Yeah, so when you... Uh, uh you sent me this challenge I, I sort of thought about it for a bit and then thought there's there's kind of one really obvious answer to this which um as there's a bit of a story behind uh so it's a song by the contemporary american punk rock band called the menzigers um and it's a song called the obituaries from uh i think about 2015 um and it's uh, a song which uh, i ended up listening to a lot when i first started working for the treasury um my first job in the treasury was quite a strange job on quite a strange uh project and i found that i was effectively sort of making up what i was doing on any given day and i was kind of 
felt that I was doing a lot without much of a safety net and without a lot of structure. So um, I found the song gave me a bit of a confidence boost, but also gave me uh, permission to fail. Love it. Um, and permission to make mistakes, which I was inevitably going to do. And I was going to have to do if I was going to to do the job well. So as I came up through the the very long tube uh, station stairs in Westminster, I'd uh, uh, listen to this song generally from beginning to end and then end up arriving at work feeling slightly more pumped up than I was before. Oh, great. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that myself. Um, I don't have very far to walk between my house and the back garden to start my <laughs> office stuff, but hey, it's it's still a good a couple of minutes to give that a shot. So thank you so much for sharing that. Super excited to to get that on, get me pumped up and ready to go. So thank you so much, Matt, for all of your insights and your openness and honesty to kind of share your journey, areas where, you know, there's an opportunity of showcasing where you maybe don't have certain strengths and hope, hoping that you can find people around you who can really complement that and help give them an opportunity to really shine um, because of that, in a sense. So thank you. Have a great week, everyone. Um, don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on your podcast um, listening device of choice if you've enjoyed the content. And I look forward to sharing some more stories with you next week. Remember, authenticity is a continual journey small steps can make a really big impact take care and speak things